0: Veni, veni, venias, and welcome to our podcast. Good evening, and welcome to Ask a Medievalist. I'm M, the ask portion of our program, and joining me tonight, as always, is Dr. Jesse Noose. Hello. So tonight we're going to do kind of a special episode uh, because we're going to talk about Halloween. Yes. Ch- is um holiday that will hopefully be going on when this gets published (laughs) and it's a it's kind of a venerable holiday right like this is the name halloween is more more modern like i don't know enlightenment era late
1: Mm, sort of
0: romantic yeah but halloween itself the idea of having an Uh, fall festival for the dead goes way back
1: yeah so the funny thing about today (laughs) um so this sort of ties into our theater presentation because we're going to end with discussions of course of disguise and mumming and things but um the funny thing about Halloween is that of course the holiday as it exists today is um really modern (laughs) Basically. Um, and not just modern, but it is a North American, and really by that I mean United Statesian holiday. Mm-hmm. So, um, Halloween as it exists is sort of a fascinating example of syncretism, which is to say what happens when lots of different beliefs and traditions meet up. Right. Um, and we've talked about syncretism a little bit. Um, certain performance traditions in the Americas. So we talked about sort of Aztec and Mayan performance traditions, and when the Spanish show up, um, the attempt to try and keep some of those going sometimes ends in syncretic performances. Um, so the Mayan laqui is an example. Um, and Halloween really is a holiday that exists today in the United States as like a giant delicious syncretic (laughs) sludge of different beliefs. So that's a really sort of interesting Mm -hmm. aspect to Halloween, right? That being said, yes, in as much as Halloween is essentially a harvest festival, (laughs) Um, harvest festivals go way back in many, many Mm -hmm. cultures. Um, We are going to split this discussion a little bit because today we'll talk about some of the ones that are important to halloween today and next time we will talk more about the supernatural aspects um so the the monsters and so on that sort of have been tied in all right um but basically um harvest festivals so um we're going to talk about some others there are, but there are also lots of harvest festivals everyone sort of has their harvest mm-hmm. festival um and harvest festivals generally um celebrate in sort of the Northern Hemisphere, right? The end of what we know as summer um, and the beginning of winter. Um, And obviously the same is true in the Southern Hemisphere, just at a different time, right? basically. Um, But Harvest Festivals are about the end of the growing season, right? Um, When you have to bring the animals back in, they've been outside in the meadows frolicking and now you have to put them somewhere so they don't freeze to death in the cold, this, of course, depends sort of on where you live, but um, and usually it's a celebration of um, the fertility that you've hopefully had in the summer. Um, you get to have a feast, which, of course, is where we get the term festival, because, you know, everything's been harvested and some things have been slaughtered so that because you, maybe you can't keep all the animals for the winter. Um, so you have a big feast, lots of celebration, um, but it's also kind of like um, betting on the fact that you don't <laughs> starve over the winter, Yes, basically, right? You're celebrating the very the plenty that you've had um, in a sort of bet that it's going to be mm-hmm. enough to last you. <laughs> um, and then, of course, in the spring, we get yeah. fertility festivals, right? So there are these sort of opposite polar ends, right? So, Easter, of course, in the spring, for I imagine part of it
0: also is, like, thanking the neighbors who helped you, you know, keep, keep your sheep in line, or plow your fields, or whatever. Right? Like, people who work together, yeah.
1: Sure. There can be a very communal aspect to it, yeah. Um, and people might help, you know, help each other plow and stuff like that. Um, obviously, as we get into medieval Europe, Um, you might be giving a lot of your stuff to the local lord or whoever that is, you know, so then things can change a little bit. But one of the other things that happens at harvest festivals, um, as you're sort of looking towards the coming winter, right, um, it's Mm -hmm. frequently a time of remembrance. So, um... You know, you're, you are hoping that things are going to come back, but right. everything's going to die before that happens, right? You're, you're hoping for the spring, but everything will sort of die in the meantime. Um, and so there can be, and frequently are, um, aspects of sort of ancestor rituals, right? It's a time to remember the dead, um, those who have gone before. It's a time to remember um, just sort of the, the fact of death, right? The turn from life to death um it can be a time when those worlds seem sort of permeable and these are of course things that all come into halloween essentially mm-hmm.
0: i'm recalling that like fall winter is traditionally like persephone actually goes like literally goes to the afterlife right so yes um yeah. the two the two yeah. are really bound up from yes. a long time ago also
1: the greeks have this really interesting right story (laughs) myth that of course then the romans also have because the greeks had it um but it's very old yes persephone um and the idea that hades kidnaps her right and takes her down to the underworld um and then of course the idea that because she eats something there she has to return right um and so the bargain is that she will return basically sort of you know during the winter Mm. And it's winter because her mother is, of course, the goddess of fertility. So when she loses her daughter, everything De- stops growing. De-
0: Demeter in Greek? Yeah, yeah. Demeter. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. And of course, Ceres in Rome, which is where we get cereal. <laughs> ah, yes.
0: Ceres. Important. Important. Yes. Um, Great. I thought it was some, I had in my mind that it was just some sort of compromise that she'd spend half the year with her. Husband and half the year with her mother.
1: Well, there are a lot of different. I mean, you know, there's some in like, any like old. More myth, there are a lot of different versions. <laughs> yes, but the the basic premise ultimately is this idea that because she eats something in the underworld, right? So then you become part of the underworld. Uh-huh. Right? You can't fully leave it behind. You've partaken hmm. of death. essentially. Okay. Right. What she eats is whatever. Traditionally, it's a pomegranate. Of course it several is. several seeds of the pomegranate. Yes. The pomegranate, of course, Eve's apple, this idea of this specific, right, the fruit mm-hmm. of fertility. Women eat it and bad things happen. <laughs> it's more of a you know, fall fruit, That's how these stories go. Isn't it?
0: Hmm? I mean, it's more of a fall fruit, too, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Mm. And Remember, we always you know, get them in, like the... November. Yeah. And it's also the seeds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that the idea of, right, she doesn't She doesn't eat much. Mm -hmm. But seeds are, of course, you know... Fertility. That that is very much fertility. Yeah, it's the um, reason that the fruit exists. It's to sort of plant itself. So, right, this fruit from death has, like, planted herself. Um, Anyway, so she has to go back. So this is why. Because so Demeter can't have her back totally. Mm -hmm. She has to go back to the underworld occasionally. Um, That being said, the rights for this um are really important <laughs> and um it's one of the things it's one of the sort of earliest rites that we really sort of sort of know about in oh, Greek culture okay um yeah i know a lot of
0: times um maybe eventually we'll talk about Mithras we sort of know that there was like a cult without really knowing what it was that they did ever
1: Yes. And this is the thing. So this is why they're called mystery cults. Um, It actually means you're supposed to keep it secret, right? Good job. Yes. (laughs) And so now, of course, we really think of a mystery as something we don't know the answer to. Right. Because it's a secret. Um, And yes, it it is a secret. The funny thing about this. So we're talking about the Eleusinian mysteries, the mysteries of Eleusis. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the cult of Demeter and Persephone. And I do want to mention, this is kind of a humble brag. If you go to the Wikipedia page, you will see on it, um, the votive plaque known as the Ninian tablet, um, that depicts elements of the Eleusinian mysteries. Mm -hmm. Um, it is in, uh, the big archeological museum in Athens. And I have seen it there many times and it is super awesome. Very nice. And so I have seen it in person. Yes. Just saying. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) um, that was not my point. Um, but my point is that it is this really interesting, um, problem because so many people, as far as we know, I mean, it was a really popular, uh, sort of around the Greek world, right? So Hellenic, right? Widely Hellenic mm-hmm. popular <laughs> cult. Um, and the fact that so many people must have taken part in it, and yet we absolutely do not know about it. Hmm. Right. Which is to say, obviously, we know a tiny bit. We know it exists. We have things like this tablet. Right, But given the number of people who took part in it, nobody ever sat down and wrote out a big old thing that was like, this is exactly what happened. <laughs> uh, even if they had, presumably it did change over time. But nobody does that until the very end when it's really disappearing. Um, and at that point, you can't really be sure of yeah. what they're saying is, you know, fully accurate, basically.
0: Just because before uh, that, it's like, if everybody's a member, you know, like, if I forgot something, I'm going to ask Bob down the road.
1: Exactly. Right. If everyone does it in some ways, nobody needs to explain it. It's very much one of those mm-hmm. things. Right. Um, it's kind of like, you know, Christmas trees today. Um, I doubt that there are a lot of, there are tons of pictures of them. Right. But there aren't, like, a lot of things sort of discussing how you put one together or something, right? right? Or what you're supposed to do for a Christmas tree or why you do it or what the rituals are. Everyone knows, but also everyone has their own, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So there's something very sort of, yeah, universal, but also um, consequently unspoken. So basically things like this tablet really are some of the ways that we got a better idea of what might've happened. It is possible, also, just to say, um, these are old mysteries. They may have come from Mycenae. The Minoans seem to have had maybe similar rituals. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't really know enough about the Minoans at all. Um, But certainly the Greeks imported a lot of stuff sort of from uh, the Minoans, from Crete. So the idea that these things might have sort of come from there and then sort of moved into Mycenaean Greece... And then as we get down towards sort of the archaic and classical periods, which are the periods we all sort of know about, so like the six hundred, the 500s, um, that's the point at which we really know these things were going on. Okay. But they probably did exist earlier, okay. is basically the point here. Um, and maybe even came to Greece from, mm-hmm. in some way, like in some sort of vague way, may have come from Minoan known culture. Um, it's also worth pointing out, Before I get too far into this one, that we've talked about Ishtar before, Mm -hmm. um, in Nana Ishtar. Yeah. Her descent to the underworld is actually very similar. There's a sort of similar idea like this, um, that she descends, um, and because she is the goddess of fertility and so on, that, you know, things die. And her place has to be taken in the underworld um, so that she comes... So that she doesn't go down again or, you know, Mm -hmm. she comes back, things regrow, somebody else has to take her place down there. Uh Um, And so we need, but we need her. But in this, that case, it's really interesting because she is herself the goddess of fertility who goes down. And the thing is that when she goes down to her sister, who's the queen of the underworld, um, and she has to sort of take everything off, there's this whole ritual that everything upstairs dies Mm -hmm. (laughs) right essentially so everything you know on the earth dies and then when she comes back it will regrow and so in that case it's her personally doing it Mm -hmm. Um, Demeter of course herself does not go down right Right. the fact that her daughter is taken so we get um, sort of the the variation on this but the mysteries we don't know a lot about them it was definitely sort of fertility based Um, they were apparently sort of a lot of fun we assume (laughs) um and there would be all sorts of votive objects that would be um dedicated mhm so um and votive objects of course you know little religious artifacts these are devotional objects um these are fertility based so um you get things like piglets piglets are um symbols of fertility okay Also, possibly um, of like genitalia, female genitalia. You'd also get cookies, like actual like cookies, bread. Nice. um, That people would bake in the shapes of genitalia, male and female. Um, Okay. There are also stone carvings that people. And it's not as clear um, if those were, you know, those were more special things Mm -hmm. they would actually like dedicate in a temple. You might not, you wouldn't necessarily take those to the, you know, actual sort of um mysteries. Um but the stone versions are presumably based on the sort of like cookies and offerings that people would take as part of the ritual. Okay. Right. This is the thing, right? So you you have to base your stuff on the permanent versions you've got. Right, right. Um so we do have permanent stone versions of both female and male genitalia that um would seem to be sort of more um, official offerings of the sort of perishable kind that might be dedicated during the mysteries. Okay. It? But Yeah. So anyway,
0: so you get these mysteries. So eventually we go from, from stone genitalia to Reese's peanut butter cups over like yes. 2000 years.
1: But of course, <laughs> adult Halloween parties, I would say have probably reverted to <laughs> chocolate. Yeah. You know, <laughs> chocolate genitalia in some cases, um, But of course, you know, I maybe we also keep that more for Valentine's Day. Um, Yeah,
0: or what do depends on your taste for Halloween. Yeah,
1: right. Um, but you know, they're the sexy Halloween costumes versus the Mm -hmm. scary Halloween costumes. Okay, right. It's kind of a thing. Um, and it is actually funny because the because fertility really has always been a part of these. But um, (laughs) that's not saying that that's where the sexy costumes come from. Obviously, right? It's just a funny reminder that that has always been a part of it but yeah so this happens in the fall right and yeah it's essentially a fertility sort of the mysteries right of of Demeter Persephone and Eleusis um so these are sort of the big ones um obviously the Greeks also have Dionysus (laughs) Mm -hmm. so for god of fertility and many many other things um wine madness disguise natural fluids um, that that can mean honey tree sap sure um but also you know human fluids <laughs> that are fertility based mm-hmm. also milk of course yeah um so his rights one of the interesting things about Dionysus is that he's sort of portrayed as being a very new god but he's actually Incredibly old. He really does come from um much, much earlier in the Greek world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and possibly I mean, that he is referenced sort of in Crete and stuff, so he really does come from very early. Wow, okay. But he was viewed as foreign. He was viewed he's viewed as Greek. Of course, his myth is that he's, you know, born to Semele, who gets incinerated, so he's actually born to Zeus, which is how he becomes a god and not a mortal. Um mm-hmm. And the idea is that he sort of grew up like in Turkey, so, so in foreign lands, and he comes back and he wreaks havoc, essentially. Um, hmm. but he's actually a a very, very sort of old god. Um so his mysteries, it's unclear exactly sort of um where his mysteries fit in compared to Eleusis age-wise, I guess is okay. the way to put it. Um, but his mysteries do become incredibly important. Um, but tend to be um, the sort of big um, festivals to him because his, right, if Demeter is sort of the fall, he tends to be the winter and the spring. Okay. Right, so he takes care of the sort of fertility part of the fertility, <laughs> right? And for her, of course, because of Persephone, you're worried about sort of death and eventual mm-hmm. rebirth. But you make right you make all those sacrifices to her because you know everything's about to die. You want to keep her happy so that, you know, the winter won't be that long when Persephone comes back, things will regrow. Yeah, essentially, right? All that stuff. Um anyway, but I wanted to give a shout out to Dionysus. Of course, he's the god of theater, so we do love him a lot. Yes. He's yes. awesome. He's also, like, age-ambiguous and gender-ambiguous and all sorts of things, and he's phenomenal. Um, And also definitely terrifying, so we don't want him to be insulted. We have mentioned him here. Yay! Yes. All right, so anyway. But yeah, but he's actually, he is actually the fertility festival, right? Winter, spring, when you start to worry about things coming back, and then when you want to have a god who is really into things growing, that's that's Mm -hmm. when you sort of go to him already. So that's sort of for the Greeks, right? It's important to point out that while all cultures have these festivals, they aren't necessarily obviously connected, right? Mm -hmm. It's very easy to see parallels between Ishtar and Demeter and Persephone. um, And there may be some, but we cannot in any way know exactly how those things are connected. Mm -hmm. We cannot draw those exact lines. Um, We know that Aphrodite is on some level kind of related um to Ishtar, but how she is and you know, we can't say. Right. There is no obvious line. Um, and this is where I think a lot of people sort of get into trouble when they're talking about these things, is because they really want to draw those lines. Right. Mm-hmm. They want it to be very um you know, a very easy sort of story. We go from right. here to here to here. Um and the problem is that Yeah, you can't necessarily, <laughs> right? Um it's not that obvious. So I set all this up because um, I'm going to say something that some people, I mean, I don't know, but some people may not like. I'm just okay. putting it out there. <laughs> and that is the fact, wait for it, Ah, that the festival a lot of people think of today as the more immediate origin of Halloween is, of course, the Celtic Samhain. And it is not a direct origin of Halloween.
0: It mm-hmm.
1: It is syncretic, which is to say, Samhain is its own thing. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely a harvest festival. And yeah. there are a lot of traditions that surround it that do become sort of syncretized with All Hallows. Okay. But to call Samhain an origin of Halloween is not correct.
0: Okay. I'm just going to say so, <laughs> so on. Samhain is, of course, the correct pronunciation of Samhain, yes. as you may have heard it also pronounced. Yes, probably. Um, <laughs> yes.
1: yes. Um, so the
0: idea is that probably there was... I'm going to go with a Christian holiday going on, because why wouldn't there be? And they adopted some of these traditions when they invaded... Ireland, Scotland.
1: It's actually a little more complicated than that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about All Hallows first. Let's do our thing. All Hallows. All right. Yeah. All right. Here's All Hallows. So, <laughs> today, um, All Hallows is November 1st. That means All Saints, All Saints Day. Mm-hmm. Right? So, Hallows, and this means those who are hallowed, those who are sacred. Okay. Right? Yeah. I was going to mention, right, Harry Potter, of course, and his Hallows, the Deadly Hallows, the the Relics of Death, right? The things that were sacred to death, right? there are three relics that were sacred to death. Clever. Yeah. Yes. Quite brilliant. I gotta say, you know. Um, And very medieval. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, so All Hallows Day is All Saints Day. So that's November 1st. So that means it's a day that commemorates all saints, right? All of the saints of the calendar, and there are a lot... This right. is the day that commemorates all of them. So whoever your favorite saints are, you can pray to all of them. You ask them to intercede for you. You give offerings, right? You give offerings to them in their chapel, um, to the church. Um, you might give offerings to the poor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, all of these things, right? So, okay. November 2nd is All Souls Day. So all souls means, right, everybody who's died. So okay. that is our ancestor day, right? That is our day where you mourn the dead, right? You commemorate all of your ancestors, again, offerings to to them for their souls. Um, you know, you do good things like give charity to the poor to try and, you know, help out your relatives in the name of your relatives to try and help them. Get into heaven, stuff like this. Yeah, um, you pay for masses to be said. Yeah. you know, oh, yeah. whatever. You whatever say you can a afford. mass for
0: them. Yes. yes.
1: Um, all right. So this is today, right? So November first is All Hallows. November second is All Souls Day. Um, it has been this way for oh, you know, thirteen hundred years or so at this point. Okay. Um, but All Saints Day lands on November first in the seven hundreds, thanks to Pope Gregory the mm-hmm. Third, whose Pope uh 731 to 41 um prior to this all saints in as much as there was an all saints was generally in the spring um mm-hmm. pope boniface the 4th on may 13th um consecrated the pantheon uh hopefully everyone has like looked up the pantheon in rome if you get a chance to go there it's oh awesome. meaning the actual building Yes, you know they okay. consecrated into a Christian church. Of course, right? <laughs> I was I was confused. I was like,
0: "Wait, there's other gods I didn't know about." <laughs> in no, no, Christianity. <laughs> no, no.
1: I mean, the we call it the Pantheon. pantheon. Okay, no, and this is the funny thing because we still think of it as the Pantheon. We've always thought about it as the Pantheon. Everyone has always yeah. called it the Pantheon, but its official name since Boniface, uh by the way, Boniface the Fourth is Pope from 608 to 615. Yeah, Um is. It's essentially, it's dedicated to the Virgin Mary um, and all martyrs. Okay. So not actually all saints, all martyrs. I think I've actually
0: been there. I've been there. Yes, absolutely. I don't think I knew its
1: other name. Yeah, Nope. Most people don't (laughs) because, I mean, it's not used really. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to say if that's its official name. That's its official name for the Catholic Church. Right. Of which I am but, not a member, so. Right, so, you know. Whatever. <laughs> the, but the but really, everyone, of course, calls it the Pantheon. Yeah, okay. Um, so it's yeah, only so, <laughs> been since, like,
0: 700s, it's been
1: Yeah, well, this a- is only about 100 years before that, um, mm-hmm. when we sort of get May 13th is this day where you celebrate, like, the Virgin and all Martyrs, um, okay. and then there are people who are sort of celebrating in, in very specific locations, people who are celebrating all souls days, Mm-hmm. um, or all saints days. Um, you know, sort of the, the move between all martyrs and then just all saints generally happens, you know, in various times and places. Um, but yeah, basically a hundred years after that, we get sort of, um, a move to make all saints day, November 1st. Um, and the question is why the move right because you know the question is was there a day <laughs> um in the fall that gregory was trying to cover up or something like this um a lot of people have pointed out that Sawin does in fact um take place basically around Halloween. Um, what is today Halloween? But that would assume that the British Isles had the kind of pull that would force him to or even interest him in moving mm-hmm. it into November 1st. It's not at all clear that that is the case. Right. This is also especially true because actually as people start celebrating it um, the Frankish Empire really gets into it first. Now the Franks I want to say Frankish is what is today France and Germany and everything in between, and also kind of surrounding Germany. (laughs) Okay. Um, So they're Germanic. It's a big empire, actually. Although the France part is starting to turn into what we would think of as, like, Mm -hmm. French, right? But this is really Germanic. We call them the Franks. Eventually, they will split into France and Germany, but... And also everything else. But, you know, at the moment, it's, yeah, one giant empire, the Franks. Um, but various parts of the Frankish Empire, and particularly the, the German, the parts that we would now call German, um, start celebrating it. And then sort of the Frankish Empire as a whole does start celebrating it on November 1st. Um, and they do that before other a lot of other mm-hmm. places do. Right. So... Um, you know, the move to the fall does seem to be more about potentially a general sense of in various places, yes, you know, places where Samhain is celebrated, but also in the Germanic areas and what is now France, which also have their own festivals like mm-hmm. this, right? Sort of harvest festivals and commemorations for the dead, right? The move to the fall is a more specific kind of, you know, um, move just of a commemorative Mm -hmm. holiday, right? Um, It's not necessarily geared specifically at Samhain. It's more um, at everything that's going on. Um, All right. So, you know, and why Gregory moved it originally isn't entirely clear. I mean, um, in some ways, there isn't maybe as much stuff going on in the fall, honestly, Mm -hmm. right? If you're in May, you have all this stuff connected to sort of the Easter season. Oh, yeah, Easter, Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, so you have a lot of other stuff going on. Um it's it's a time that makes sense to commemorate all souls, but of course the fall does as well because that is a traditional commemorative mm-hmm. time, right? Um and then it starts to catch on in sort of in the Frankish Empire. So there are some specific dates um by 17 nine, by 7 sorry, by 798 mm-hmm. uh the Frankish Empire is celebrating it on November 1st and by 835 it's official throughout okay. the empire. So, like the some of the German parts are celebrated by 798 by 835, it's official throughout the empire. Um, so there we are, right? So they really get on it first, even though there's not necessarily the same sort of obvious holiday that we would match up with it. Um, they do have plenty of harvest traditions that also presumably do get syncretized to Halloween. Right. right. Um, all right. So ultimately, though, the point is that by the time the British Isles gets around to celebrating it on November first. They also have, in some places, people celebrating mm-hmm. Samhain, or people who have converted but still like Samhain traditions, because, of course, you know, you still like to do those things because that's what you've always done. Okay. Right? Um, so you get the sort of syncretic possibilities there. A quick note on what we call, right? So All Hallows Day, if it's November 1st, that makes October 31st, of course, All Hallows Eve. Okay. Um, or Even, right? Evening, mm-hmm. Even. Right. So the Halloween, you just imagine there's a little apostrophe between the two E's where the V would yes. be. Yes. Right. All hellos even, but all hallow Yeah. So Halloween. All right. So that's how we get Halloween. And basically, because it does get moved to the fall, <laughs> um, now it is synced up with the harvest festivals in various places, Samhain included. Mm-hmm. Um, and you start to get a sort of syncretic meshing of... Um, Different traditions, and that is what happens. All
0: right, so so should we talk about Samhain traditions? Because yes. The uh, the Gaelics, the Celts, I guess we should call them the Celts. Celts, yes, have a lot of a lot of great holidays, a lot of great old, um, you know,
1: yes, traditions. So essentially, Samhain is. I mean, it's a harvest festival, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um one of the sort of one of the things that definitely keeps going um is the bonfire idea. Okay. So, bonfires the interesting thing, right? Um bonfires are real big. Um I think we all well have at least heard of things like the wicker man. <laughs> i'm just gonna go on on a limb yeah Um, i was trying to remember that movie um (laughs) yes um so there's a lot of stuff about you know were they really sacrificing things all of this stuff right um Mm -hmm. you know it's possible um Obviously, as I had said sort of at the beginning of this all, I think one of the things that happens on feast days, the reason that they are, that we call them festivals, feast days, is because you do slaughter animals and eat them and you have a feast. Mm -hmm. Like this is one of the times when people would eat meat. And this goes back, you know, thousands of years to all cultures, right? Yeah. Holidays, um, of course, holy days where we get that, um, but holidays are one of the times you would get to eat things like meat because you would ritually, frequently <laughs> ritually slaughter, sacrifice, and animal, and you would get to eat it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Greeks, of course, have the great myth that explains why you get to eat the meat, why you don't have to give the meat to the gods <laughs> and just let it rot. <laughs> yes. And of course, this is what most cultures do. So a lot of cultures, it's because, you know, you drain the blood, which is the important sort of life force. Right, You give Mm -hmm. that to the gods, but then you get to eat the meat. Um, The Greeks, of course, have the thing where they tricked um, the gods, the help of Prometheus, um, tricked the gods by folding the bones in the fat, and then the fat smelled so good cooking, the gods picked that as their sacrifice, Uh and then found out it was just bones and fat, and the meat was the other one that they didn't choose, so people get to keep the meat. So, you know, this is sort of The point of having a feast and again a harvest festival one of the things is how many animals they've been all in the pastures they've you know all the stuff how many animals can you really keep over winter Mm -hmm. right they probably have to be inside so how many can you afford to keep they're gonna eat you know there's no grass because everything's dead so you have to be able to feed them right so there are a certain number of animals you're gonna have to slaughter right um so the reason i'm rambling on this whole preface, is because the idea, I think, that we have when we, like, because of things like Wicker Man, right, when we talk about, like, Celtic sacrifice, Mm -hmm. um, we have this very specific sense when we talk about anything that is considered or called pagan, right? We have this very kind of negative idea of sacrifice. Right. Um, and that is maybe not fair. I mean, that is definitely not necessarily fair, right? The sacrifice is in many ways you know it's the ritual because you have to kill the animal and eat it you can't afford to keep it mm-hmm. over the winter um and so you offer some of it to the gods cuz you want to get through the winter <laughs> you know so yes it is officially a ritual sacrifice there are going to be important things that you do important ways you kill it um you know possibly the ways you drain the blood there are various things that are going to be very specific but it's not this bloodthirsty right yeah that i think is the way we frequently sell it right certainly obviously movies and you know movies would not be fun if it was just like i'm killing this animal because really i, I want to eat it um but anyhow so <laughs> so yes a lot of these things probably are part of the ritual of Samhain but these do not necessarily become syncretically connected to halloween mm-hmm. What's interesting about the sort of the bonfires, right, which are celebratory, but also, of course, lets you cook all the meat, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Stuff like this. One of the things, um, you know, of course, fire, also, you're going to need fire of the winter, right? So there are all these things about the bonfire. Um, But the bonfire in England, of course, ends up ultimately um, as part of Guy Fawkes' celebrations.
0: Sure, which is uh,
1: November 5th, right? fifth yes remember remember the fifth of november so 1605 of course um and basically um in england interestingly guy fox really takes off um and this is probably because it's very political did it start right away after the attempt that that they well the first celebration is immediate yeah Mm -hmm. because everyone got to celebrate that the king survived Uh, um and then it took a while for it to sort of really resurrect as a as an important holiday after that.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Like, so then it didn't necessarily come back immediately every year after that, but it, as it got off the ground, um, it got off the ground partly because there was a real push, um, to make Guy Fawkes, I mean, not Guy Fawkes himself, obviously, but the holiday in which you vilified him. (laughs) Right. Um, as a very sort of pro Protestant holiday. Right. Um, and, a great chance to like celebrate the victories of Protestantism over Catholicism. Um, and as that really took off, um, Guy Fawkes day became huge. And a lot of the things that in other places, and by that, I really mean North America, um, are part of Halloween in England are frequently actually part of Guy Fawkes day instead. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not, you know, there are people who will say that Guy Fawkes became like the Protestant version of halloween and um that's not fair um but guy fox day is was definitely big propaganda for the protestants and its popularity ultimately really did overshadow halloween like halloween kind of dropped off because you can't you can't have two of those holidays right next to each other right right i mean it's that would be a lot (laughs) right um and the yes the political dimensions of guy Mm fox really propelled that um so guy fox day ended up being the one where you really had, like, the bonfires. Also, bonfires made perfect sense because of, like, gunpowder, you know, so. Sure. um, And you'd burn effigies of Guy Fox and, you know, all these things. So mm-hmm. that really kind of took over in England. Um, and the, the re- one of the reasons I bring this up is because um, as we move into the early modern period, as we get c- the colonization of the U.S., um, really, the Halloween we know is created in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so as the Irish, the English, <laughs> all sorts of people, right, from Western Europe show up in the U.S., the traditions that they have around Harvest Festivals start to meld. Okay. Right? Um, and, we, right, and this is basically how we end up with Halloween. And so um, it's also why the views of it are so varied, mm-hmm. right? There are absolutely people... To this day, you know, in the U.S., we think of it very much as pagan. There are people who think of it very much as Christian. Um, and in some ways, it is and isn't all of these things, right? The way it is celebrated today in this country. Um, obviously, All Hallows is a Christian holiday still, right? Right. But the way Halloween is celebrated in the U.S. is really very specific to the U.S. Um, and it's because it absolutely does take elements of other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like we see that there are other, other
0: kind of syncretic traditions that happen on the eaves of big Christian festivals that mm-hmm. also include like a lot of debauchery, like uh, oh, yeah. Fat Tuesday.
1: Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Oh, Mardi Gras. Yes classic really <laughs> yes um yeah absolutely um and yeah it's a sort of you know christmas is one of the biggest you know economic <laughs> seasons yes um in this country and it doesn't matter if you celebrate it or not everyone has to get a present right so you can be giving them a present for christmas you can be giving them a present for hanukkah um for kwanzaa you know, for whatever it is you want to give them mm-hmm. a present for, <laughs> you figure out what holiday your your culture <laughs> celebrated at that time. Yes, and you give them a present, or you just give them a present for New Year's. You know, yeah. whatever it is. We sometimes um, we
0: celebrate um, atheist children receive presents day.
1: Yes, which is also also an yes. excellent excellent day.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Coincidentally, happens to be in December.
1: Yes, <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's been syncretized with Christmas. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. (laughs) I mean, you know, Christmas is very magnetic. Yes, it's true. It draws a lot of things to it. Yes. Um, But this is right. This is the sort of funny um, thing about a lot of this. So, for example, um, the other obvious syncretic matchup that people know about is the Day of the Dead. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Which, of course, is a Mexican holiday, um, but really sort of um, Aztec and... Not everyone in Mexico originally celebrated it um, because, you know, you had to be f- from the specific sort of Aztec group that did. Uh, but now it's sort of universally mm-hmm. celebrated in Mexico. Um,
0: so but this originally is, an Aztec holiday. This is a
1: day with, like, sort of
0: amazing sugar skulls is what I know about it. Um, yes. And lots of flowers.
1: Yes. Yes, and it's absolutely a day of, right, it's for the ancestors, right? Mm -hmm. It's a series of days. Um, But yeah, it's a remembrance of the ancestors um, probably originated, probably originated um, for the goddess, the Essek goddess, who is the queen of the underworld. Okay. Mictakasiwadl. And, you know, yeah, the idea is a real celebration, right? So again, this is, the differences, right? Christianity, even though you know much of Mexico is now mm-hmm. Christian. I mean, of course, right? We talked about colonialism for many episodes, <laughs> um, and yes, lots of colonialism going on. But this is a reminder of the ways in which some things don't get fully absorbed. Um, the really, really colorful celebration, right, of ancestors and of the dead, um, is something that Christianity doesn't quite do, right? Um, Much darker, Mm -hmm. (laughs) generally. Things like All Souls' Days, All Saints' Days, you know, commemorations tend to be much more somber. The idea of the dead is much more ambiguous. Um, There is a much more firm delineation between this world and the next. Mm There is not the same sense of joy, necessarily, when you celebrate. Um, That being said some of this is also because of Protestantism. Um, It does seem that, you know, um, Halloween and All Hallows did used to be more festive festivals Mm -hmm. that involved festivities, right? So basically, uh, the Day of the Dead, which has sort of syncretically melded with Halloween in ways that are brilliant, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because, yes, it's the same thing, right, of the sort of ancestor, um, but much more celebratory and colorful, right, about the life of the people who've died, right, and the remembrance and the sense that they're still with you potentially, mm-hmm. right? Um, so not as firm a delineation of the two worlds, which, of course, again, is what we get with Samhain, um, a much less firm delineation of the two worlds, Mm-hmm. So this is another tradition from Samhain, and I mentioned sort of sacrifices, right, bonfires. Um, a lot of these things, they mark the, the turn from summer to winter. But as you're marking that turn, um, you cross through this sort of liminal time, right? Change is liminal. So for those who haven't taken my classes, <laughs> this is from the Latin word for threshold. Limon is threshold. Um, and liminal, we'll put the theory in the notes for those who want it. But essentially, um, a liminal space is between, right? When you're on the threshold, you're not inside, you're not outside, Mm -hmm. right? You're crossing through. Um, So the liminal space, betwixt and between. um, So obviously, right, equinoxes, harvest festivals, fertility festivals, these are liminal moments. You're crossing, right? You're crossing from one season to the next, right? Um, And so the idea that crossing also in some ways from summer to winter, from life to death, the idea that those two worlds, right? The natural world, the sort of living world that we're in, and the sort of supernatural world or the afterlife, um, that these worlds suddenly become kind of permeable. Mm -hmm. And you can potentially cross from one to the other, right? Liminal places are dangerous. yeah, um, And that's one of the reasons for all these rituals. You have to be able to cross that safely, right? And if you get the ritual wrong or something goes wrong... That's when you get, like, horror movies, mm-hmm. which I love, right? We'll talk more about this next, <laughs> next time. Next week, right? yeah. But it's how you mistakenly get the vampire or the whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how, you know, you didn't do it right. You left that doorway open and something got through that shouldn't have, right? Lovecraft Country. People should check it out. Okay. So essentially, right, Sawin has that idea of the permeability. Mm-hmm. Um, Day of the Dead, in a more much more sort of festive, positive way, also has that idea, though, of permeability that is something that absolutely becomes syncretized to halloween right which doesn't originally necessarily have that same sense of permeability right. even though it is absolutely a, right all saints and all souls are mm-hmm. obviously commemorative holidays it's not necessarily assumed that they're that going to come back right um but that does become sort of syncretized to those traditions um and in places like england eventually um you do get we're going to talk about mumming, which happened on many, many holidays. Um, this is sort of disguising and acting things out. Theater. But essentially, um, on Halloween, one of the things that happens is that when people went door to door, they'd ask for a soul cake, which is something that you would, of course, um, it's an offering. It's mm-hmm. an offering to the dead. But there also did start to be maybe a little bit of a sense of if you don't give things, right, um, maybe the dead will come back. Right. Uh-huh. So there. You do start to get a little bit of that. And of course, that in the US, that becomes really, really prevalent. Um, The idea of trick or treat is modern. Mm -hmm. It's basically 20th century. Um, But the sense of if we don't do this ritual, if we don't disguise, if we don't party, if we don't do something, if we don't give people, you know, food when they ask for it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) something bad might happen. That has that absolutely sort of becomes um, syncretized to, to Halloween um before we get to that though i did want to give a quick jump into things like the jack-o'-lantern yes yes
0: everybody's favorite way to slice up their finger tendons (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) oh the fun yes um so this is again something that goes back hundreds thousands of years um in the fall or whenever your harvest festival is you know Mm -hmm. um one of the things you get are squash and gourds and whatnot, and you dry them out and you carve them up. Like, that's very, very common. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Mari have been using gourds as lanterns for over, like, 700 years, you know? So um, that's, that's a very old tradition in many, many places. <laughs> sure. Um, we do in this case, so we are back to Samhain here. It does have a huge influence on Halloween. I don't want to say it doesn't, but it's just that Halloween didn't come from Samhain. Right. It is syncretized. Mm -hmm. This is my point. Um, But yes, in Ireland, um, you get turnips, (laughs) which, you know, are the big root of choice, I guess. I mean, (laughs) Um, people eat them in the
0: U.S. like once a year, probably.
1: (laughs) Like Thanksgiving, maybe. We love to make fun of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Turnips are quite delicious. But mostly they make me think of black adder um, and how Baldrick always wants a turnip. Yes. And in one, he gets a giant turnip. And if he had more money, he'd get a little turnip in the country. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But yeah, so you carve up your whatever it is, your gourd, your squash, your root. In this case, your turnip. Um, and turn it into a lantern. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as I said, this is actually a very old tradition, but it is a fall tradition. It's part of the harvest idea, right? Um I have sort of to say if you go if you together. go check on
0: uh the Wikipedia for Sawan, there are pictures of like extremely creepy looking carved turnips.
1: Yes. Um so turnips like it looks is... kind of creepy anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it really works. Um, yes. Um this is also of course where we mentioned that the pumpkin is native to North America, right? Okay. So that's that makes sense. That's its own form of syncretism, right? Mm-hmm. You come to the to North America, there are pumpkins. You start using pumpkins instead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But a jack-o'-lantern is not specifically a pumpkin, right? It can be anything like this. But actually, it originally refers to the same thing as a Hmm. will-o'-the-wisp. So jack-o'-the-lantern, will-o'-the-wisp, which meant like a torch. These are actually both phrases for um, the sort of atmospheric ghost light that can appear in like bogs and swamps and stuff. Okay. Okay from, like, marsh gas. It's a sort of... It's not, like, bioluminescence, I think. Um, I actually looked up the term. I guess it's, like, chemiluminescence, right? Because it's the sort oh, of... Oh,
0: okay. Gas is being left yeah. off by
1: the... Yeah. By the marsh or whatever. You know, swamp gas, whatever. Um, so, ignis fatuus is the Latin. Um, and so those sorts of lights, right? And mm-hmm. there are tons of folktales about those lights, including folktales that get made up after the fact to explain where the names come from, right? So they were called by those names long before oh, some of these folk tales okay. showed up. But eventually you do get folktales to explain. And so these are folktales generally about people named either Jack or Will, um, who did something and end up being doomed to wander the earth forever with <laughs> one light to keep sure, one, essentially, right? And so, you know, and you don't want to follow them because they might lead you, right? All these are about,
0: Sort of a combination of, like, Diogenes and uh, the Wandering Jew. Yes. Uh,
1: The sorts of things. Cain. Cain. Yeah. Cain. I don't want to associate Cain
0: with the Wandering Jew necessarily, but, like, you know, people who are doomed to walk the earth. Forced
1: to wander. Yeah. Yeah. The Flying Dutchman. Yes. Um, Yes. So, yeah. All these things. Um, And... The idea, of course, is you don't follow these lights because they'll trick you into going into a marsh or a bog or you'll get stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously they weren't meaning to trick you because that's just where they are. But also, yeah, you would think that too. If you were out, if you're a traveler caught in the woods or whatever and you saw a light in the distance and then you got stuck in a bog, mm-hmm. you would think something had tricked you. So there are a sure. lot of folk tales about this. But anyway, but that is where we sort of get that idea of jack-o'-lantern, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it's as though it's the light of this sort of trickster, whoever this trickster is, it could be Jack, or it could be one of the little demony characters who is in some of these folk tales, right imps and so on um but that's basically the the idea behind that, right, so it's a light that either is itself sort of a trick right used to trick or to scare people, or it's a light used to ward off things that might cause you mm-hmm. harm so by making right? it look
0: scary. You keep the evil spirits away, basically. Yes,
1: that would be the idea. Yeah.
0: I had an idea to make a mask, um, like, yes. you know, a uh, COVID mask type of mask with yeah. an yes. angry looking face on it to keep away the virus.
1: <laughs> yes. I mean, absolutely, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's sort of, that's the, the jack-o'-lantern. Um, I do want to get, of course, to trick-or-treat. <laughs> Um, and this is because mumming, also sometimes guising, mm-hmm. um, was done on many, many holidays. It was actually done especially on like Christmas, but also celebrations. You might have mummers at a wedding, mm-hmm. right? Um, mummers are actors, basically. They're people in disguise, masked, particularly masked. Originally, this was really part of it. Um, and they're performing plays, scripted scenarios, dance dramas, um, Masks, M-A-S with Q, right? The sort of the formal uh, performance type mask. We don't have the scripts for any of these, right? So they were clearly sort of nebulous in a way that, um, for example, Commedia was nebulous, right? Mm -hmm. But Mummers, they did acrobatics, they did music, right? So they were sort of these, you know, they could be amateur, they could be, uh, but highly skilled, They didn't have to be necessarily amateur, although they're frequently described that way by modern people. But it's more um, right highly skilled performers who did not necessarily um, have a repertoire of scripts that they treasured and kept with them that then lasted, Mm -hmm. like plays have, right? Like our more sort of traditional plays have. Um, They probably had these scenarios and these sort of scripts that they would learn and know, and then, you know, they would use. And they would be sort of shorter form, right? So it's like hiring entertainment, jugglers and stuff, but um, you know, more plot <laughs> drama oriented. Um, they might perform in the street during a festival or a sort of parade. Okay. Like Saint George. Saint George and the dragon ones were very popular. You might have mummers perform that. Um and you'd have a dragon who could shoot fire. Yeah. You know, with like gunpowder and stuff and um there's some dragons actually that they're pictures of these dragons and stuff. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um but um and mummers, there' pictures, there are a lot of great pictures of mummers. Um in masks, frequently sort of animal masks. So this is another thing, right? They might be doing sort of folktales, um, or you know, um animal based mm-hmm. um you know, like fables, stuff like that. Um they could do biblical stories. You know, um, and you also will find things that say um, no mumming <laughs> on the nativity and stuff like that, which is how we know that there definitely was a lot of it. Because sometimes, yeah, for you know, certain areas that were being more um, what we would today call Puritanic, but of course, that would be <laughs> anachronistic because Puritans didn't necessarily exist yet. Um, but, you know, places that were cracking down on fun uh, might try and keep mummers from doing things. Uh, but Christmas was a big one for mummers. Um, you know, because you would... We today, of course, think of caroling, right? You go from house to house or pub to pub and you carol mm-hmm. and they give you stuff. Well, mummers would do that, but they do like skits and stuff, yeah. right? Okay. They do their mumming. Um, and then they would get stuff from the household or from the inn or, you know, wherever they are. Um, so mummers perform during a lot of stuff. Like I said, you could have them at your wedding if you were rich, Um, so, you know, things like this, um, and all Hallows, you know, the sort of days surrounding all Hallows, of course, all Hallows Eve, all Souls Day, these were some of the days when you would absolutely have mummers, right? It's a festival. Um, and so as sort of time goes on and you do get, as I said, some of the sort of syncretism, the mumming really sticks, continues to sort of stick to Halloween, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea of disguise. Um, and so... In a lot of ways, this, you know, eventually will sort of become what we know as trick-or-treating, but not until, really, not until it gets to the U.S. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and runs into other traditions of disguise, right? Um, And you start to get what used to be more like mumming or caroling and stuff like this at festivals Mm -hmm. starts to turn into something that's more specifically geared towards um, ancestors or the dead or, of course, eventually the supernatural. Right, and that's how you get it today. Yeah. So that would be, like,
0: wearing wearing a disguise potentially so that, you know, the spirits don't recognize you, or...
1: Yeah, or so you scare them away. sort of, yeah. You know, stuff like that, okay. yeah. Um, and Samhain may have had some of that aspect as well. But, but, you know, but the interesting thing is that it really takes the U.S. for all these things to run into each other. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and it is worth remembering of course, that Ireland is Catholic and England eventually is Protestant. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things, right, Guy Fox, of course, very pro-Protestant holiday. He himself obviously wasn't, but the holiday is. And, um, in the U.S., when you get everyone together, right, with their own traditions, they're all but they're all stuffed together. You have Protestants mm-hmm. and Catholics, they might not like each other, but they're in the same spaces. Right. Um, That's when you finally start to really get this big crossover of all of these sort of um, traditions. Yeah. Um, So they import them, basically, and then they slowly turn into what we today have as Halloween. But it's also why Halloween in the U.S. is really... Like, Halloween is a U.S. holiday. As -hmm. it exists, as we think of it today, with trick-or-treaters and pumpkins as carved up lanterns um and people in costumes of supernatural stuff or possibly Mm -hmm. sexy kittens or whatever um (laughs) going around asking for candy and saying trick-or-treat this is all absolutely um something that comes together in the u.s Mm -hmm. and it has been re-exported to a lot of places so it it is now frequently sort of celebrated in other places um Especially now because movies have spread it around, you know. So places like England and Ireland have in some ways, like, re-imported it. <laughs> but it, you know, as we know it, it really comes together over here. Cool. Yes. So I think that
0: might be a great place to leave it. And uh, next week we can get into the more supernatural side of things. With Yay! um
1: <laughs> Yes
0: can't wait werewolves and ghosts yes. and uh, things that go bump in the night yes. revenants, revenants. Um, yes it'd be very yes. exciting promise not to talk about lovecraft too much no
1: but definitely watch <laughs> lovecraft country on hbo
0: okay yes take this as a plug from those who know yes <laughs> uh let me think in the meantime um you can leave us a comment on facebook you can review us on itunes Um, You can tweet us on Twitter at Ask a Medievalist, at, ask, yes, at, at, whatever, I give up. (laughs) You can email us (laughs) at questions at askamedievalist.com. You can leave us a note on our website, um, or just check out the notes to every episode. I think that's all the announcements. And uh, hopefully everybody has a great, healthy Halloween season. And doesn't wind up with uh, too much of a hangover or, you know.
1: Oh, and also razor blades and stuff like that. That's all an urban myth. Yes. Kids were only ever occasionally poisoned by their own family members.
0: Yes. It turns out people don't just give away drugs. Right.
1: Which is weird. <laughs> drugs Not are really? worth a lot of money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Everybody. Stay safe. Uh, yeah. Stay <laughs> safe. Keep it medieval. Talk to you later. Bye. Ask a Medievalist is a production of This Can't Be That Hard Studios and is not endorsed, acknowledged, or condoned by Virginia Commonwealth University or any of its constituent departments. Our theme music is Veni, Veni, Venias from Carmina Burana by Carl Orff, performed by the MIT Concert Choir and licensed under a Creative Commons attributional non-commercial license version 3.0. If you enjoyed our podcast, please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, why not tell a friend? For more on today's topic, including sources, annotations, and corrections, visit our website at www.askamedievalist.com. And if you have questions, feel free to drop us an email at questions at